Anyways, so anyways, we have, we have this uh, strange thing here where, uh, you know, Pablo Picasso swinging in the backyard. Also, uh, Lana Del Rey has uh, a song, Video Games, where she says she is swinging in the backyard. And uh, she, she does. So um, swinging in the backyard, something in the fast car, staying in my lane. No, is that what she says? I can't remember. Well, whistling my name, whistling, whistling my name. name. So, so oh, uh, I can't remember. you know, if, if we uh, compare these uh, lyrics there, uh, the, the third uh, line is Pablo's feeling better now versus whistling my name. Um, could be a clue. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe she's, she's not whistling the name because a bird like whistles, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mm-hmm. mean, Pablo's feeling better now. So that that implies that Pablo was sick, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so you know, think about. Wait a minute. It. Wait a minute. Is am I missing something? Is Pablo like an, is speaking to somebody else specifically in code? Who? What are we talking about? We're we talking about Picasso. What are we doing? Well, what are we doing? Blue period. What's happening? Well, he's saying that that Pablo Picasso is the artist, and Pablo is hanging himself. Well, he's, he's hanging by his fingernails, though. So he's not necessarily right, right. hanging by a rope. But looking at this, I would think that it's because Pablo ha- is famous for his blue period. Blue is like right, right, down, right, right, so right, right, better right, 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 right. And no then Blue Bannisters, blue. she has this song, uh, Beautiful, where she directly compares herself to Pablo Picasso. She also, in that in uh, Blue Bannisters, she must have mentioned blue so many times. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, throughout mm-hmm. the album, it's just blue, blue, blue. And, yeah, 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 true. yeah. So, um, I mean, what other girl's going to be a... Uh, Blue, you know? Right. Well, she listens to um, uh, Billy Holiday all the time. So right. I'll do that so, too. And, and, and Nina Simone. And, you know, who else was a, a big fan of Nina Simone? Am I right? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Pablo's Tarantino, also, right? No, sorry. <laughs> Pablo's also Paul, right? Mm. Mm. Ah, Gnostic. Yeah. Gnostic Apostle. Ah, yeah, there yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Take it. Yeah, because it's like the new church, right? If you're saying it's like the e- eon of. Uh, uh, of Ma'at. Ma'at. Yeah, of Ma'at, yeah, as opposed to Horus. Yeah. Is that how it works? We go, yeah, Horus the Younger, Horus the Elder, and Ma'at. Right, right, right. Uh, so Kenneth Grant's whole thing to jump ahead is that uh, there's like the two concurrent ions of uh, Horus and Ma'at. And uh, the Ma'at ion uh, started in 1948, although you might say that it started in 2011, but mm. again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Anyways, uh, Daniel Radcliffe uh, introduces uh, Lana at uh, Saturday Night Live. Um, and an uh, interesting thing here is how he was in, a, you know, that Weird, Weird Al movie. Oh, yeah. That's he, right. He, he played Weird Al. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And who else is Weird Al? Uh, Weird Al to Crowley, am I right? Uh, yeah, you're right. He's old, weird old Uncle Al. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so did you guys see that movie? Yeah, absolutely. You remember how it ended? Yeah. I did not see it, no. So freaking I, Madonna. I, yeah, Madonna. Weird Al regrets not letting Daniel Radcliffe sing. He shouldn't regret anything with that movie. It's fucking perfect. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so freaking Madonna becomes a coke baron and assassinates um, Weird Al in 1985. Mm-hmm. So uh, think about that, because uh, when was uh, Lana born? Oh my god! Yeah, I dig it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally follow you. And you know what? Weird Al is just like that, dude. It's like you're like the place, the place where you would least expect it. Look closely at that fucking Weird Al movie, whatever it's called. What is it called? Uh, Strange, the the Al Yankovic story, something like that. Um, Weird, the Al uh, Al Yankovic story. I mean, I assume it's called Weird because you know he has Weird Al. Weird, the Al Yankovic story. But anyways, anyways, the point is. In the movie, Madonna, freaking Madonna, and you know that's the, the, the obvious esoteric significance there. Sure, uh, is 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 a cocaine baron, and you know she ends a weird L as a symbol of weird Alaster in 1985, and uh, which is uh, her birth year. So that's kind of weird, as right. far as things go. I got you. Yeah, this is something that's always always been this kind of battle in the pop world is who the continuation is of different people too but madonna's the big one so like right. it's like who and they did that whole i think i talked about this two weeks ago but it was like they did that whole ceremony where she's going to hand over the crown so to speak to britney spears and it's like bitch sorry you don't get to decide who gets who gets to be the successor of your archetype 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, you're like, is it Lady Gaga? You know, she's got the whole Scarlet Woman thing going on. But then you're like, I think Lana's like, she's the real snake in the grass, you know. Not, in a, not even right, in a bad right, way, right, like the right. golden snake in the grass, you know. It's like that she's kind of always just kind of been there. And she's so, um, she doesn't front so much, you know. You yeah. got with, and it's, she's not pop at all. She's well, like this other thing. And that would make more sense, actually. It's like, why we don't just want to continue of Madonna herself, you know. Madonna's <laughs> already become a continuation of herself, so to speak. It's like. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um... And uh, skip down here, um, we've got uh, this excise line from uh, Station to Station. You look like a bomb. You smell like a ghost. You eat like the terminal girl. You escape to the bridge, but the men here at your back. You sit and you piss dark water. You're silent but aware. You're seething but warm. You sword play to reach our daughters. The return of the thin white duke throwing darts in lovers' eyes. So that, that uh, suggests the... Uh... There's your Dr. Strangelove connection. Here. Ah, yeah, yeah. So a very, a very uh, stranger undercurrent to the station station song than many maybe people even now thought about mm. because in station station the girl herself is kind of not really there i mean she, he talks vaguely about like we and maybe a you and then how he's in love with someone but the girl herself is very much absent from the song itself and it seems almost like a deliberate <laughs> censorship on his part so i'm sorry i just have to ask something something basic here are you are you suggesting that in the same way that one could argue that lady gaga is the actual continuation of madonna and that britney spears is kind of like a front or whatever uh could you could could you argue that lana del rey is a continuation or as the successor i should say of what of bowie's trip uh in the same way that like you're talking about kenneth grant and that he is the successor of the oto you know, well, so yes, he is yeah. a continuation of the whole Crowleyan thing. And so it's like in the industry, it's as though because I could relate Lana Del Rey to David Bowie. I could never right, relate right, right. Lana Del Rey to Madonna. No, that's but I could Lady Gaga for sure. I mean, they both grew up oh, in yeah, New York. Yeah. There's all I mean, the I mean, crossing totally. strawberry fields. It's just like totally there. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that I mean, originally it was a sync thing where like if there's a successor to David Bowie, I mean, it has to be Lana, right? Because it uh, has to be yeah. Lana. I'm actually completely fall. But I mean, I, I, I just thought it was a sync thing because you know I'm not gonna like. No, it speaks for itself. It's all in the data. Like you're, you're like I see what you're getting at. But, man. Um, but yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't try to like go into like anything further than that because I mean, to go further than that would just be insane, and I'm not insane, man. I'm just, well, I'm just, I'm well, just getting baseline, you know. Yeah. Well, Jason, you, you have a quote somewhere um, further down your post where you're talking about uh, somebody considering. Um, David Bowie himself as being the Scarlet Woman, right? Correct. Uh, and then, uh, which is sort of makes sense because the dates of his birth work out with the uh, the Babylon working, right? But uh, right, how right, so? right. How so? Tell me about that. Did I miss something there? Well, he the Babylon working ended in what March nineteen forty six, and then he's born January yes. nineteen forty seven, right? Yes. Yes. Um, February 28th, 1946 is when he, um, went to the desert to invoke Babylon and, uh, yeah. So anyways, I'll, I'll get to that. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get too sidetracked. <laughs> you keep saying we get sidetracked, but then you yeah. toss out these golden nuggets that of course. I know, you I know, I know. Yourself, right? Like, right. This isn't the tradition of always record, right? Where things <laughs> tie back around in unexpected ways. I know. I, it's just that you, you guys wanted me to go in order, I thought. So. Yeah. Oh, no, this is great. This is fine. As long as you're satisfied with this, this is the main thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, so um, in uh, around 1975, 76, I, I think it's 76, um, you know, Dave Bowie's uh, out of his mind on cocaine and says, you know, I'm going to write my autobiography. Autobiography, uh, excuse me. Yeah, well, he says autobiography, but yes, autohagiography would probably be more accurate as far as, because he says, you know, he's going to be the microcosm of all matter. And uh, so, yeah, and then he uh, also makes, uh, in 1975, I think, uh, these tarot cards here, which um, are very much influenced by uh, the um, Thoth tarot deck, um, as far as things go. And um, so that just really shows that um, he was very into Crowley around uh, the period of, you know, 75, 76. How are we supposed to know if that's the star or the sun? He actually wrote star on it. So. Okay. Oh, oh, it says star? Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, it actually says star. Oh, I see it. Yes, yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, so it um, says uh, lover's death, star, moon, and nothing on earth. But 
Right. Yeah, it was. Um, so I saw this part, and I was looking up uh, the the Toth deck and trying to see the the parallels. It's like uh, kind of vague parallels. Like the the star doesn't look exactly like it has different. Mm-hmm. It has a six pointed star in the in the in the Toth deck. I think it has a seven pointed star. Yeah, la- last week we were looking at an album cover from Who that w- had like the tarot cards in it, and then it was absolutely Toth deck inspired, especially Death. You can right. see. Right. Who was that? Yeah. Was that Blue Oyster Cult? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's this whole article this goes along with where they like detail the reasoning for why it's correctly influenced. Okay. Um, it has to do with like the colors and lots of little things. That, and so it's very like arcane and, and uh, uh, very subtle. And so he, he's really trying to like bury like just how much of what he's doing is indebted to Crowley and trying to hide that from being too overt. But it's there always. Like his Crowley uh, influence, and uh, the one other thing uh, that he said that he was uh, very into was uh, the Gnostic God beyond God as the major search in his life. And then on uh, in uh, the Lazarus production and um, the final No Plan EP, there's this very strange song called "When I Met You," which is very long, so I'll not quote all of it but um you know uh he apparently um met this uh person who uh opened his mouth and uh made his spirit rise and uh where else does it say that you know his spirit rose black star right mm-hmm. so uh this girl was uh the one who uh, made his spirit rise in uh the uh, black star song so that's the connection there mm-hmm. I gotcha. And making the spirit rise is kind of like involved with like living forever. Like you're living together forever through a, your successor as well. Yeah, but and, and you know he rose from the dead essentially, and in, a, in an esoteric right. sense. Okay, so so the story of Lazarus is that he's he's dead and Jesus is ra- raises him, but then it goes then they eat dinner together, or at least it says Lazarus was at the table too. So some people have speculated that they're actually eating Lazarus, and that it's a joke, but I don't know. There's a uh, there's another story of Lazarus in uh, Saint Clement of Alexandria wrote this this version of the secret uh, the secret gospel of Mark, where Lazarus is like a uh, he's an initiate basically, like it's a, they, they, he has this weird um, encounter with Christ. They both mm-hmm. um, they're both naked. They they spend a night together. Right, knows right. what happens, right? But, uh, um, but is, that's really interesting to, is, to, is to look at. Is the story in the gospel where he says he, he say he's not dead but only sleeping, or was that for a little girl or something? I believe that is Lazarus. He uh, says he's not dead but only sleeping, right? Yes, I believe so. Maybe he was just sleeping. Um, let's see. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's not so spiritual. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry for trying to debunk the spiritual story um, of Lazarus. But. Oh, um, Sure uh, yes, our friend Lazarus is asleep, and I'm going to wake him up. So yes, mm-hmm. but then um, again, the the mo- the more gnostic uh, resurrection story is the one where he um, resurrects a 12 year old girl. That's that's the one. Oh, they, is that what I'm getting to... confused about? Because I remember there's yeah. something with a little girl. Okay, that's like the Sophia analog, as the gnostics would read it. Mm. Anyways, so point is, all all these words. There's a lot of words, um, but there's also a weird line. Um, the kiss of a foe, the peck of a blackened eye, like the wounds of a friend. So that, so that's a strange. Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. What was the crown line? I missed it. Hold on. A life with the crown, and you know, the crown is Doth. So he's saying that the, he crossed uh, the abyss. A, a uh, life for the cr- crown. Yeah, the, the false crown is Doth. So he's saying he crossed the abyss. A lie is al again, right? Ah, yes, yes, yes. So the, isn't that amazing that like they're like you know so dot is sex and knowledge, and so much of people's sense of of themselves like dignity is connected to their to their knowledge or how experienced they are and those are like intimately tied and then that relates to people men's aggression and not just men but like you know <laughs> this I don't know there's I think it's truer for men right like the need to be right to know you know, to have had experience or like sex and knowledge being the same thing makes so much sense. 
but then there's also like the idea of like Da'at as a, as a false crown is like in Freemasonry, like they're like illumination amounts to knowledge. If there ever was a instance of like false crown being really, you know, overt, I would say it's that the very stated goal of Freemasonry itself. No, mm, I, don't, I don't know about that. Well, knowledge being the illumination when you're saying you have two lights. So it's like in, in the beginning, God said, let there be light and there's light. And then there's the sun. And like even like raw and Hebrew is evil or whatever. It's like it's the idea that that, yeah, there's a source and then there's a source of the source. And don't be an like like there's a term that gets used um, in uh, different Kabbalistic writings. So it's like basically translates to like reserve your awe. So like keep like don't don't be too quick to be in awe because there's always something fucking greater you know I don't mm -hmm. know feels relatable yeah. but. well I think he's using um it in the Corallian sense again of um um Koranzon and that sort of thing um, right right yeah the abyss thing is unheard of in the Zohar that's that is strictly a European occultist thing that Alistair right. Crowley and various others ascribe to but you're absolutely correct in that this is certainly what what Bowie has referenced repeatedly as more of the yeah. European mystery school so that becomes irrelevant kind of or maybe not irrelevant but it's just a yeah, corollary right. yeah right so and um then uh, Lauren Del Rey has uh, the song Ultraviolence which um also has a very um resurrection motif to it and it is not about an abusive relationship as a uh, certain uh, small-minded people like they interpret it as because i mean this is says, the name of her first album with sirens and she goes i can hear sirens sirens yeah yeah main jailer um yeah it's a, it's double meaning too yeah right mm. um right so she says she was filled with uh blessed with beauty and rage and jim told me that he hit me and it felt like a kiss jim brought me back Reminded me of when we were kids with his ultraviolence. This syncs so incredibly well with Maleficent, by the way. It took mm -hmm. me forever to find the timing with this one because it's actually like the movie starts out as Disney, right? So, but when it mm -hmm. turns dark, the first time in the movie when it goes dark is when you start the album, and uh, it's it's pretty phenomenal. But particularly this song because she drinks the poison that mm -hmm. passes her out when he, so he can take her wings, and so the line in which like right as she's drinking the liquid that puts her under uh the line is this lemonade line where is it the taste of whatever the um line. where is it crying tears of gold like lemonade okay there we go i've got all the wait a minute wait a minute, wait a minute. Memorized, so i can just rattle them off hold, hold on yeah me me too for the most part but i'm i'm still looking for it Phil, uh scroll down a little bit isn't that it's way the oh it's up held down. uh way way, way down. Down. oh oh you split it up Way down. The oh, I'm sorry. Right I didn't there. realize you split it up, Jason. Sorry. Yeah. There we go. Crying tears of gold, like lemonade. Uh, yeah, and the, and the, of course that's uh, also. Oh. Uh, yeah. So she's got the lemonade metaphor in multiple songs, and that. Oh, she's she has that in multiple songs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so he said, Lana Ray, will you serve me lemonade? And she says, Yes, Bill, I will. So what song, wait, 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 what song is that? It's uh, Trash Magic, I think. What album is that on? It's, it's an unreleased. Oh, it's unreleased. Okay, I was like, I don't recognize that one. It's another, oh. I think it's unreleased. Oh, yeah, it's Trash Magic. So it's not, that's not on an and, album. And, yeah, what she's doing is Trash Magic. What, what does it say it's from? What is it? Hold on, scroll no. down a little. Oh, oh. It's unreleased. It's not on an album. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. It, it, it was a MySpace track. Okay. She's he's old. She had a MySpace. Right, right. And a freak. She has a song about her BlackBerry too. That's how old she is. Have you have you ever heard Sirens? <laughs> the the album yeah, Sirens. Yeah. I've never heard. I've heard that. Overtracks, man. And no, can you can you send that to me? I, is that easy to find? Yeah, yeah. I, I've got everything, man. Um, well, the thing about Sirens that, that's weird is is how different it is from all of her other songs. Like it's there's just like such a sudden transformation from when she recorded that in 2005 or 2000. Yeah, 2005, I think. Is it more? Is it more pop? Doing. Is it more poppy? Like her next one was kind of. No, 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 no. Sirens is very like folky and down to earth. Oh really? Oh man, I want to hear that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I should look into so, that. Thank so you. So there's this like huge change in her sound from when she was 20 to when she was 22. Okay. Uh, so uh, and to jump ahead a little, I mean, Bowie has this weird song about this uh, girl who's 22 and. Uh, has some weird stuff happened to her. So you don't you don't have sirens in the Kabbalistic attribution chart. Um, I I was gonna put it as Doth. 
She put it dot. Just... Do you have something else's dot? Tunnel is dot. Oh. Come on. Oh, Did I you know see. That there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard to stop. Oh. I mean, obviously, man. Come on, come on, think. think. A tunnel under Ocean Boulevard. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, w- I was thinking maybe sirens will stop. But mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. So, so that's why I'm thinking she could potentially make albums to replace some of these albums. Like mm-hmm. maybe she'll like a new AKA. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But. At the same time, there's also the indication that maybe Tunnel will even just be her last album, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, then in Ultraviolence, we have this weird line, I love you the first time, I love you the last time, yo soy la princesa. Now, what is the princess? The princess is the hey final of uh, the Tetragrammaton, and I'm sure uh, David can inform us more about that. So, I mean, she's saying that she is Malkut. Mm-hmm. And the song Ultraviolence. And then she's saying, Comprende mis white lines. Mm-hmm. So that's what, that's what we should do here. We should try to understand what she's saying in her songs, you know? Not just uh, passively consume them. Like, Are the white lines the lines between the, um, like, between the lines of words? Like, is it like the lines between the lines? You're like, you know? I mean, are we just talking about Coke or are we talking about... I don't know. She wants you to think that she's talking about Coke, but she's not talking about Coke here. She's talking about her wider words. Right. As um, just wider words. What is this from? Is yeah, this, this, is from, this is from, no, no, no. This is from the Book of the Law itself. Where, oh, you know, this is an excerpt from the book. Oh, wow. Okay. No, right. no. That's, that, that's the thing. Like oh, wait. Says, Come, oh, oh, no, no. oh, no. I'm asking right this wider words. What is that? But go on. Iowa is instructed. Yeah, so yeah. After so, the fact, so, but who's writing this? Is this Kenneth Grant? What are we looking at? Let me talk. So Lana says, "Comprende mis white lines," but then Iwas says to Alista Crowley, "Write this in wider words, but go on," because he couldn't understand what Dewey was saying when she said, "The unfragmentary, non-atomic fact of my universality." So Crowley then changes it to the omnipresence of my body. Okay, got that? No, no, I missed what the last, very last thing that you said. I'm looking at it right um, the, omni- the omnipresence of my body. The omnipresence, omnipresence of, of, my body. of my body. Okay, that's what you said. Okay. Right, right. So that is what Lana is saying by I love you the first time, I love you the last time. She is omnipresent as the first and the last, as Malkut, as the princess. Oh, maybe maybe this is partly to do with my ignorance. Maybe I, it's because I don't know what yo... Wait, go back up a little tiny yep, bit. Yep. Yo, yo soy la... Like, I see that's princess, that, right? But that's, what is, I, what am, is, I am the princess. I am the princess yeah. is literally... Thank you. Excuse my ignorance. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, so the white lines are also uh, like connected to a suit in Station to Station and in the Lazarus video as well, right? Like, uh, um, which on that one... Uh, that one explanatory video that Doug um, linked to, that woman who was mm-hmm. uh, going through the Black Star video, she, I think that's where I saw it. She was she was connecting that to um, lines of projection from the astral body, like sort of lines of energy. Um, I, I think she was more accurate when she um, linked it to the Sonambulist um, from Calgary, I think it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because... That, that's the big thing where he says he's uh, vaguely half asleep in the width of a circle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, so he, he's like not fully awake and aware of his surroundings and what's going on. You know, right. he's sleepwalking through this whole working that he's doing. Yeah, that's, a perfect, that's a perfect link with the cabinet of Dr. Calgary. Mm-hmm. It's a, I didn't notice that at, at first. I, I, I just watched that movie and then I, that came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, Lana is always saying that you know there's a lot of different meanings behind um, her lines. So we got to really um, treat want... them as archetypal visions. So go on, mm-hmm. go on. I yeah. just want to know what it was that who who's giving commentary to the Book of the Law there. So we're looking at quotations from the Book of the Law uh, that somebody's speaking to. Who's speaking to it? Um, these are just two commentaries I found. I, I can't oh, you... even remember. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Never mind then. Sorry. Yeah, they were just two different commentaries talking about. Uh, but this the, particular passage. Okay, so do you know which which part of the book? Do you know the the write this in uh, wider words? That's interesting. I don't remember that. Um, it's it's only in the manuscript, is a thing. 
Yeah, it's not in the one you find on Sacred Text. Um, uh, There's multiple chapters. Yeah, it's a verse 26 of chapter 1 here. There it is. Okay. Then saith the prophet and slave of the beauteous one, beauteous, I can't speak right now. Who am I and what shall be the sign? And she answered him, bending down a lambent flame of blue, all touching, all uh, penetrant, her lovely hands upon the black earth and her lithe body arch for love and her soft feet not hurting the little flowers thou knowest. And the sign shall be my ecstasy, the consciousness of the continuity of existence, the omnipresence of my body. Where's the wider words? I'm just um, curious where the wider words are. Is that somewhere? It's, a, it's in the manuscript, is the thing. Oh, okay, you can see it there. Uh, somewhere. Is it? Okay. I'm not sure if it's in the screenshot. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's in the manuscript. Yeah, I'm just, just I'm, I'm curious. I'd like to see look into yeah. that after the call, but yeah, okay. Huh. I mean, I could see if it's in Google here. Uh, mm. It should, it should be it should be in the printed i mean you're supposed to be able to look back and forth between the printed and the the, the script and okay here we go there we go uh oh there it is yeah right this it's, it's in better words but oh no. i see it yeah and it's forth. crossed oh. out Far out. Yeah, it actually says, but go forth on. So. Right. Huh. Interesting. Thank you. <laughs> wow. A razor. That's, that's almost like a Derrida move. Yeah, I'm glad I asked so I could just see it, you know? That's mm-hmm. like, what a trip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's loaded with meaning, isn't it? Yeah, so... um, So she's subtly hinting here that she's kind of speaking as, you know, Malkut or maybe even Wheat. Yeah, you, know, you want to make a logical leap there. Hmm. And, 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 you know, Lana is always saying, you know, I don't make pop. My creative process is more psychological. When people started to list, I had already been running for 10 years and a very deep psychological universe. So, you know, there's, there's a lot going on under here. Okay, this is where it gets. I, I love this part that's coming up right now. The Terrence part. Right, right. You ever listen to the Billy Brothers shithead? Name one lyric from that song. <laughs> so yeah, what is what is the Beauty Brothers about? Because because Rowley says this wasn't just a song about brotherhood, so I didn't want to misrepresent it by using my my true name. And um, there are layers of ghosts, wasn't it? That, that's the word he uses uh, a lot. Um, and then he says, "Yes, ghosts." Yeah. Layers of ghosts is great. Mm-hmm. I was never quite sure what real position Terry had in my life, whether Terry was a real person whether I was actually referring to another part of me. Dude, what was that video game that David Bowie did? That was weird Omnicron. as hell. Omnicron. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, don't, don't try to play it. It's awful. I did try and play it. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, I, 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 don't, I didn't try and play it. I watched like an like a long YouTube video or whatever yeah, yeah. I, I of I, somebody I I playing it. it, and I felt like I just experienced it. So I was yeah, like, that, okay, this, this I can't believe I sat that long watching that. But, uh, yeah, so but I like there are certain yeah. parts of it that are just incredible, and the stuff that Bowie's saying, wow, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I guess I said this last time, but I guess it's worth repeating. Um, and so this is how the Bailey Brothers starts. And so the story goes, they wore the clothes, they said the things to make it seem improbable. The wail of a lie like the hope it was, like they hope it was, and the good men of tomorrow had their feet in the wallow, and their heads of brawn were nicer shorn, and how they bought their positions with saccharine and trust. The world was asleep to our latent fuss. Ooh. So what do you think that means? That's, that's rich. Had their yeah. feet in the wallow, and their heads of brawn were nicer shorn. So, I mean, he seems to be saying that um, in the future, their uh, exploits will be legendary. Mm-hmm. And that uh, no one knew at the time what they were. Because right, they right, say things totally. And wear clothes to make it seem very improbable that they were who they really were. Well, isn't that the role of the hierophant to basically get to introduce symbols and meanings and all <clears> these <throat> things so that when 
the curtain is finally pulled back or whatever that become that that's part of it it's like it's like you were acclimated into the next reality which does goes beyond like conditioning like what we see from like focus groups or whatever because it's because it's art you know so right, there right. are they're doing the greater work right but you know yeah. i don't know you nailed it you nailed it there that that, yeah. that is a perfect description thank you this these lines uh had their feet in the wallow and their heads of brown were nicer shorn like the feet and head thing is, we were we were built upside down. Mm-hmm. Is it is right? That, Isn't that a lyric in in Black Star? That's in Black Star, yeah. right? Like a, yeah, yeah, which that, always felt kind of tree. relatable because yeah, the tree, the roots are its branches, right. you know. Yeah, so I mean, he's, he's saying uh, these guys uh, will not be who they appear to be, and they will uh, buy their positions with a uh, plan nice with uh, corporations and right whatever. You know, the world will be asleep to what they are doing. Totally. Can, and then, can uh, you, yeah. Could you play this video? This uh, Terrence loves you video. I think it is a. I mean, I it's, it's a pretty long. Song. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure how it'll go over the uh, Skype. I might not, but uh, I just want to look through it. Just visually, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You can you, you when you when you go to uh, share a video, there's an option to share sound too or not, uh, but. Um, but whatever, we're getting the visual of it. When I pushed my video, I got sound. Um, yeah, you might have already had the setting. Oh, it's, it's fine. We don't have to. We don't have to watch it all. It's just. Uh... <laughs> so, so, so no sound for you. No, no. sounds coming across. Yeah. No. Yeah, what a weird video. I remember this from... This is old, man. This is from well, old. I mean, this is just a fan video, though. Yeah. Oh, the one thing I saw right back there, I, I recognized. But I guess I recognize all of it, probably. No, I just I wanted know. to hear the song again, right? But the... Oh, um, oh yeah, this is just a visual. Oh, uh, um, okay. I'll... Uh, if you want to hear the song, I can... Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to get the audio working here. Yeah, I don't know if you, if you can once it's started. I think you usually have to. I don't know. Uh, Whatever. Okay. Fuck it. Never mind. Yeah, I don't know how to turn. Can you look at the enough. lyrics of Terrence Loves You? Would that be helpful? Yeah. Um, that, Is there something of significance there? Because I honestly can't. I barely remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, we can definitely check out the lyrics here. Um, oh. Yeah, so in the lyrics of Terrence Loves You, she says, you are what you are. I don't matter to anyone, but Hollywood legends will never grow old. And though our love was hidden, it will never grow old. It will never grow cold. So, uh, yeah. This is this is intimately attached to Bitter Moon for me. Honeymoon and Bitter Moon. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, the, the interesting there, thing there is, of course, the ending where uh, the guy uh, blows his brains out. Did you watch what I sent you, Jason? I, I did. I did watch that one. Cool. But I, didn't, I haven't seen the movie, so I didn't really know what's going on. Oh, I just, you got the idea, though. Yeah, I just noticed that, you know, she was always wearing the red dress. But anyways, <laughs> Terrence loves you. The important mm-hmm. line, our love was hidden. Mm-hmm. So how did, the, how did the date sync? I didn't quite look look that up of, uh, of Terry's death and then her birth. Oh yeah, they, they were, uh, Terry died in 1985 in yeah. January, yeah. I think. Uh, that's not the one I want. Google is making this hard. Is it? Death, 16 January 1985. Oh, there you go. I think, um, maybe. Were we just talking about 1985 with the beginning of the age of Ma'at or whatever? Right, 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 right. right. So, oh no, that's 1948. 48, 50. Yeah, never mind. What? Well, yeah, she. So she was born when? Um, um, yeah. So Terry was Terry died in 1985, sometime, and you know Lana Del Rey was born in 1985. So yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. there we go. Okay. That, that's kind of weird. Yeah. 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 Jumping all over the place. Do you know the months? Of the, when is her birthday? Oh, you're you're making me uh, look everything up here. Um, oh, I, I thought you'd have that on the on the tip of your tongue. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. June twenty first, nineteen eighty five. Wow. Okay. And um, June twenty first, eighty five. That's like that's. That's uh, Prince William's birthday. Uh, so. mm. Same year too? No. I don't know. It wouldn't. Uh, who knows? Be close. Uh, he passed away on sixteenth January, nineteen eighty-five. I think. Right. That's so they they had a good overlap time together, Lana Del Rey and uh, David Bowie. Between mm-hmm. what was it? What did we determine it was? Two thousand and twelve to two thousand and eight, or something. Um, until he died, you mean? Yeah, like like when Lana was on the scene, and when David Bowie was, um, you know, still. Oh around. right, I mean, her EP came out in two thousand um, seven, eight. Oh, there Depending we go. I want to count it. Yeah, 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 totally. So, had they met? No, they've never met ever. Okay. But that that's important because, um, he says, um, the mysterious girl. He never meets her. Yeah. Never means her. Yeah. yeah, 2008 for Kill Kill EP. Anyways, the the weirdness about uh, Terence loves you. If I can go back to that. Yeah. Of course, she says that their love is hidden. And then yeah, that's where she says ground control to Major Tom. Uh, something wrong. What did she say? Your circuit's dead. There's something. What? What? Does she name, she li- does the lyrics, but she says yeah. she twists it. What does she say? Can you hear me all night long? Can you hear me all night long? Thank you. Director. So uh, yeah, you know, just like a uh, young Americans. Mm-hmm. All night. You want the young American? Right. I gotcha. But then, then the, it ends with I lost myself and I lost you too, and I still get trash, honey, when I hear your tunes. Right. Word. So I mean, the guy is a musician, apparently, who uh, has his music played a lot enough to. Uh, for the bother her whenever she mm-hmm. hears his tunes. Totally. Yeah, and uh, so anyways, um, and then he, she had this other weird thing she said about it. Have you ever j- just not been able to take listening to your stupid ex-boyfriend's music? Yeah, right. That was interesting. Yeah, so I mean, so this guy is a Hollywood legend who will never grow old, and their love is hidden, and she hears his, his tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the jazz thing even, because it's like, you know, yeah. a lot of his stuff was super jazzy, especially like even if you you, you listen to um, that that album uh, Earthling and it's like mm-hmm. he's taken like jungle, mm-hmm. like jungle tracks and he's like made them combine them with jazz in such a way that I think he pioneered that was he the like it sounds like off key and it doesn't matter. Like it's just like because you can feel the intention like you just, you know, and it's like, I don't know. So like, is it that you don't like jazz or it intimidates you? You know, <laughs> I don't know. That's a great album, by the way, Earthling. No one. Oh yeah, about totally. Album. I love it. No, no, I, I love it too. Yeah, I love show, all of Showgirls, man. Even never let me down. <laughs> um, so yeah, just to get back to Terry Burns. Was yeah. I, this is a? I don't know enough about the the biography, but was it his brother Terry that got him? Um, initially into to buddhism like he almost he almost became a tibetan buddhist monk for a while and i know i was i was reading the interview that he did with um, or the, the conversation that he did with william s burroughs and he said part of his inspiration was from reading uh, jack kerouac and, and and jack kerouac's interest in buddhism but there's a connection with his brother too right like the um so do you do you know any more about that or um i'd have to google it uh, but um, I know he introduced him to jazz. Oh, there you go. And yeah, so I think right. it, yeah, maybe, maybe but Kerouac at the same time, I think maybe Bowie would have had his own interest in uh, Tibetan Buddhism quite apart from what Terry would introduce to him. Well, it could have been like yeah, that was the introduction of jazz, and then and then the beats as well, and then that mm-hmm. led to Buddhism. Yeah. You're right. You're right that uh, Buddhism was very uh, at that time for the for the whole beat scene. They were very influenced by Buddhism and pro- probably largely in- influential from uh, um, Jack Kerouac. Dharma bums is, is mm-hmm. well, like, yeah, for sure. It, it really impacted a lot of people. I mean, I, wasn't Bowie really impacted by like? I mean, there's a lot of books out there, but Stranger in a Strange Land wasn't. No, uh, no, he actually he, said he hated that book. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. He, he said he hated. It. I'm sorry, I just remember him mentioning it, and that's how I retained yeah. it. 
Yeah. yeah, that's like when you do like advertising that you include another product and people remember the other product that they're telling you you don't want. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was too flower power for him. Right. Which is interesting because he had the flower power period. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 yeah, but but he was saying that like these hippies don't know anything about you know what real cosmic consciousness is. So I'm gonna show them. Totally. I mean, it's it was probably a. Yo, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It, it's interesting that he almost became a Tibetan Buddhist monk, and then he he sort of stopped that path and decided to become a rock star. It's it's almost like uh, he became a bodhisattva in the form of a rock star, right? Like he exactly. Exactly. Buddha, right? But the, um, he saw what Leonard Cohen was doing, and he was just like, "That just seems to like too much, man." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I could make a transformation as a rock and roll star. But this is the same as, as Joyce. Like Joyce had, uh, he he was due to become a priest. Um, he could have easily become a priest. He was, in, he was um, uh, invited to become a priest, and then he rejected it in order to become an artist. Um, huh. So I'd, yeah, I, I I really have the idea like this. Yeah, Bowie as a bodhisattva. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Bowie sattva, which is which is, he, which is a bit of suburbia. Which is why I think um, he did incarnate right away afterwards. He wouldn't. He wouldn't need to go through the whole forty-nine days in the bardo. He he had decided right away to come back. I mean, he will continue to come back until everybody's enlightened, right? Like that's the uh, that's the idea of the bodhisattva. Can well, somebody he, write spending... a book called Bowie Sattva? <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking gold, Jerry. You should use oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Buddha of suburbia. That's the key mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah. So, anyways, back to Terence Love You. The uh, the interesting thing here is, you know, this is released on August twenty first, two thousand fifteen, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a uh, strangely portentous of his death, um, and in a way that uh, really nothing else was, at least according to this article that I quoted here. This is this is some critic. Right, right. I just grabbed it from the internet just so I can yeah. seem less crazy. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, if somebody else is saying it, that makes that's crazy, you know. I right. just somebody else. Oh, sure, but it's not even the point of what their opinion happens to be. It's just about that. Hey, this is what it's speaking to, and here's somebody's reaction to it. Give it, take from that whatever you will. Yeah, but but still, I mean, they say some really weird stuff in here. Like they have an interplanetary connection that only an ethereal soul could have. So yeah, uh, yeah. Just raises some questions, man. Sure. Totally. Yeah. Terence Loves You has a retrospectively arcane sort of knowledge about Bowie's demise that no one and nothing else did. I mean, I I'm not sure. Did, 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 sorry, go on. Video games? Bowie's in a video game. Exactly. J- just saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what was I saying? I forget what I was just about to say. Oh, yeah. Did, did anyone else have such a like predictive power as far as predicting his death as far as what was the last part predicting his death sorry i keep predicting oh his death. predicting the death leonard cohen and around right around Bowie's the same death? time yeah but but i mean did leonard cohen predict Bowie's death that's what I'm oh saying. predicting a death oh somebody else predicting Bowie's death who are you saying yeah what? yeah who else predicted Bowie's death is what i'm saying oh besides who lana del rey right that's what i'm asking did, yeah, no did, did Terrence no, no, did the knew. Terrence song come out before Bowie's death? Yeah, yeah. What year did Honeymoon come out? Twenty fifteen. Oh shit! Yeah, you're fucking amazing, Jason. Yeah, no, that's far out. I, I, yeah, mean, I, I, I gotcha. Time, I gotcha. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, totally. But he was predicting his own death too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So true. she's kind of just jumping on something he started. Right, right. Uh, so I mean, I, I mean, I noticed all this at the time, but I just thought it was a sink because right. you know, that's, a, that's a normal, non-insane thing. I think. Right. Well, it all—it almost feels like it's like you know, like in in Midsommar or whatever, when they're like they reach a certain age and then they jump off the thing. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like it's like yeah, they know that they're that they're gonna their their deaths feel ritualized, mm-hmm. but there's also something that's kind of like I don't know what the word you know how like I don't know how to explain this you know with with art where it's like the art is kind of showing you what it wants to be, and you like have to listen to it and like mm-hmm. clear space so you can get what it's what it's trying to tell you it's like that that's like that's what when i'm experiencing that i'm in a art zone that's what's happening and i know that musicians experience that and writers experience that where it's like it's in the gaps you know 
mm-hmm. but it, it feels like like that what Bowie did and excuse me but yeah Leonard Cohen did was like this mm-hmm. thing where it's like it's both they like it's intentional and it's magic it's like mm-hmm. it's happening it's like this is the they they were like tuned in to like you know what was approaching as it was approaching because they're that in touch with themselves like it's like it's really amazing, you know, mm-hmm. the way they both delivered like incredible fucking albums like right before they died that were about their own deaths in so many ways. Well, Bowie, like Bowie knew for what uh, like about a year that he that he had cancer and he's he's probably going to die, right? Like in so, 18 months. Yeah, you, you know, okay, um, you're in a Jupiter yeah. mission yeah. 18 months later. Okay. Well, I mean, um That's yeah. the heads up that he got months. was 18 months. Wow. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I see it. Okay. So, so but, did he did he predict something before that? Are you saying or no? Um, Ultraviolence, um, the Lana Del Rey album was released uh, eighteen months before his death. Right, but the, but Terrence loves you. That's on um, honeymoon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Then, um, but then eighteen months before he died. No, I was gonna. I, I was asking uh, David. You were saying that Bowie predicted his own death, and and would that be before he? He knew about his oh, oh his no i was i was just speaking to black star i'm just saying that like okay, it's yeah, ritualized yeah. in that way where it's just like yeah. how many artists can you say that that they did it like that you know no, not very many yeah. and it's crazy that two did it so close together too did did prince it was unexpected it was a fentanyl thing right right yeah yeah that sucks so many people that's like the, one of the biggest elephants in the room in society is the goddamn fentanyl shit i just my my housemate just lost her sister to mm-hmm. the same shit and uh it's extremely common and i don't know why it's not such a hot topic like certain other things that have certain death tolls are you know it's it's crazy anyway sorry anyways um so um and after all he has this line we're painting our faces and dressing in thoughts from the skies from paradise and that really sums up what Bowie's doing. Um, he's a clown, and um, yeah, he's using himself to as a cannabis to try to paint the truth of our time on it. They're Piero, the eternal clown, putting over the great sadness. And he has a song about this called uh, Three Penny Piero, called Happy Little Feet That Dance All Day, Lonely Little Heart With Lots To Say, Stepping Footprints On Your Mind, Offering Thoughts Of Columbine. Right. Now in the Dead Man Walking video, isn't that yeah, kind he, of saying offering songs of peace too? Isn't that the idea? Offering yeah. thoughts of, pe- of peace, excuse me. Well, that's column. Uh, it's that's double, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Column. Yeah, the, I mean, uh, there's double meaning there. The dove, the dove, and then Columbine, right? Like mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's that's a perfect pun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then uh, in uh, the Dead Man Walking video, we actually see Columbine. As, as a in the Dead Man Walking video, we see Columbine like uh, crawling around. Like in a box. I don't remember. Um, well, you'll you have to watch the video. Dove's yeah, you sent that, but. So, uh, yeah, so um, Bowie's saying that he's the dead man walking, and uh, there's going to be a Columbine um, somehow, somewhere. Yeah, isn't that that same album has Telling Lies? Exactly. And Little Wonder. That's an important one. Yeah, yeah. I don't want. What I want certainty. I don't want belief. I want certainty. I don't want knowledge. I want certainty. Oh, knowledge. Thank you, Dot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So Piero takes the stage to play for all, or here's a life misfortune rules forsaken by his Columbine. So certainty is Keter, right? In this sense, in the in the Bowie uh, uh, Kabbalistic tree sense. Man, I don't know what he's saying in that, in that uh, song, honestly. Well, I mean, I, I, I really, I mean, I don't know. It's like it's, it's. He's saying he doesn't want da'at. He wants something that's beyond that. He doesn't that want gnosis. He wants direct apprehension. There you go. I don't want knowledge. Well, mm. because he said that the song wasn't actually about him, so it's always one of those uh, complicated things where it's like, is he t- speaking as himself or is he speaking as his shadow self? But isn't he always kind of or frequently yeah, doing yeah. that with the white duke, thin right duke, and all that right, shit? Right, right, right. I don't want knowledge, I want certainty. In the it's street, his in the street, a man shouts out loud, a bullet drops and money flies into the midday sun. So money is a, an important symbol here, but we'll get to that later. Mm. So the earthling is on fire. That's the important thing. He's burning himself up. Mm. A patchwork frame of tears and wine, the nectar for cruel Columbine. And then, then we have, um, to skip forward just a little bit, 
Pink well, flamingos least... are my spirit animal, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have um, Bowie's autobiography, The Return of the Ten White Duke. Mm-hmm. And in it, he talks about um, first his indebtedness to Vince Taylor as a, a messiah figure, which is partially what he patterned Ziggy Stardust off of. But then he says, my records were selling and I was being a man in demand. I thought of Vince and I wrote Ziggy Stardust. So he's the messiah, Ziggy Stardust, you know, the leper messiah, the Naz. That's sort of the Nazarene. Orpheus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought of my brother and I wrote five years. So five years is apparently about his brother. Then he says, then my friend came to mind, standing the way we stood in Beauty Brothers, and I wrote Moon Age Daydream. So right there, again, he is saying, Beauty Brothers is not about my brother. It is not about Terrence. So, uh, you know, well, Moon Age Daydream. Isn't it? It's it's uh, the legendary Stardust Cowboy, man. Look it up. Well, no, I did look it up, man. I, I've gone through all the interviews here. Okay, you so you saw that interview with him with talking about the few interviews with him right. talking about the legendary star. So there's going to be a documentary, another documentary coming out about him pretty soon here. Hey, we we have we have his own autobiography here where he talks about it, Vince Taylor. And yeah, I was wondering, have you read that? Have you read his whole autobiography? I really, I'm, really well, like the, to. But. There's only like a a little snippet of it that was published on Dangerous Minds, which okay. is really really um, revealing. Like this this thing is just crazy. Are you saying it, it wasn't completely published as a, uh, as a book? Um, sorry, I, I'm 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 sighing at the the ads that keep coming up here. Not not you. Right, no problem. Um, because uh, it, it wouldn't let me turn on the ad block here. <clears throat> Screw you. Again, not you. I'm not talking about the the ads that are <laughs> popping up here. Yeah, no. Uh, Cameron Crowe, the uh, the guy from Almost Famous, was given the manuscript of Bowie's like cocaine induced autobiography called The Return of the Thin White Duke, where he like basically tells all of his secrets. And so this manuscript is just sitting in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they won't let anyone copy it. Oh wow! They're assholes. Wow! Really? No shit. Huh. It's like the but, it's like the Kubrick archives, man. Yeah, what the hell? but this thing this thing is just freaking insane. Like, cause it's it's like the the manifesto of a fucking space alien. Yes. Like out of his mind on cocaine, just saying all of his secrets. And um, but I'll get to it later because it ties into other stuff. But it's insane. You could probably get access to it as a as a researcher. Well, that's what I'm saying. Anyone, anyone in Ohio can just go there and like look at it. Ah, that's what I didn't go through that link. That's what you're saying about Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, See, you okay. gotta actually actually follow my links, man. They're important. <laughs> I did. There's just so many of them, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot. So dude. Little, so I, I read time. a lot of your links, Jason. Okay, okay, but yeah, um, field trip to Ohio. Come on, we, we gotta we gotta check this thing out because it's like, uh, it's crazy. I'd be into that. Yeah, the the Light Duke uh, manifesto. Yeah. So, anyways, in the, in the section here, he says that Beauty Brothers, his friend from the Beauty Brothers, is the subject of Moon Age Daydream. And you know, Moon Age Daydream. Um, keep your mouth shut. You're squawking like a pink monkey bird, and I'm busting up my brains for the words. Press your space face close to mine, love. Freak out in a Moon Age daydream. Oh, yeah. Don't fake it, baby. Leave the real thing on me. The Church of Man, love, is a, such a holy place to be. Make me, baby. Make me jump. No, you really care. Make me jump into the air. Keep your electric eye on me, babe. <laughs> put your ray gun to my head. <laughs> so put your ray gun to my head. Mm-hmm. And and again, like, he's talking about a girl here. I, or, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a male lover. But, I mean... He's not talking about his brother. That's that's the point. Dude, I had a crazy experience with this song once where I was seeing the Eagles of Death Metal play mm-hmm. on New Year's. And the lead singer was overtly high as hell. And I was mm-hmm. high as hell myself. But he did a cover of this song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like singing along. And we made like high eye contact for like a really long time while we were just doing this song. Because I know all the lyrics, you know. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. And uh, they actually played the song 
that when the shooting happened in France right. was like, right. a, I know the devil, I sing a song or whatever the fuck, the devil song. Oh, and uh, yeah, uh, and uh, he said after he played the song, man, he was like, you know, they, they told me I couldn't play that. And he was like, it feels good to play that. Because it was like after that event, I guess it was like a whatever, a PR thing or whatever. They were like, you can't play that song. And he just went ahead and played it, and you could see how much it meant to him. But anyway, whatever. It was like, yeah, I, I, yeah. Moon Age Daydream is like one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. So uh, Billy also has this song, She Should Be Cold, on The Man Who Sold the World, where it says, Mother, she blew my brain. So, uh, yeah, uh, getting his brains blown out is a, a common theme in his uh, mm. songs here. So yeah, so yeah, Bowie says, keep electric eye on me, but put your ray gun to my head. So uh, if she's putting her ray gun to uh, his head, uh, presumably like she's going to like uh, pull the trigger, right? Mm-hmm. And blow the freaking Ziggy Stardust's uh, head off. But this ties into this previous line here. Keep your mouth shut, you're squawking like a pink monkey bird, and I'm busting up my brains for the words. So uh, she's going to like uh, put her ray gun up to his head and... Uh, Bust up his brains, yeah, so that uh, she can talk. It's crazy. This this is all for for me. Ziggy Stardust is so attached to uh, Slaughterhouse Five because that's the mm-hmm. sink. And then mm-hmm. that th- it's funny as you say this because I'm like, oh yeah, that's how that movie ends is with he gets assassinated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the important point is, um, Bowie has clearly stated that uh, Billy Brothers is not about his brother, and the person in Moon Age Daydream is. Uh, the person in the Beardy Brothers, who apparently is a girl. I mean, you, you know, if we, you know, read Moon Age Daydream as uh, being heterosexual, which, uh, you know, it could not be. But the point is, you know, it's about a love interest more than, mm-hmm. you know, a brother. Okay? Totally. Totally. I don't know. I don't know which way he's picking at the top, but, you know, point is. Pro- probably both. I think he just like yeah. pleasure. Isn't he like Elton John that way? He's just like, however it comes, he's just like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that's true about Owen John. I just always felt that from him. Yeah. So uh, I don't I don't know why I care, actually. It, it might be a Philip K. Dick thing where he switches personalities completely. Right? Ooh, yeah. You ever notice his hair is parted different ways every so often? He wears a <laughs> ring on the opposite hand. Right. Well, his earring keeps changing sides. I can't. So you started, <laughs> he, he changed his guitar. <laughs> Didn't he have like a Superman thing at some point too? Didn't he? Did Did David Bowie ever get dressed up as Superman? Mm, no, but I mean he had the uh, the song. Or maybe I'm thinking that, of John Lennon. Never mind. Yeah. You know he has the Superman as a as a song. Basically called himself a, a Nietzschean Superman. Yeah. Oh yeah, right, more right. potential of a Superman. That's probably yeah. why I'm making the association. Yeah. yeah the whole true. Nietzsche thing is is a huge thread through all this too, like the Jack Parsons uh, mm-hmm. book of the Antichrist and everything. Like, Crowley. Oh, Nietzsche is really kind of a kind of like a red herring when you get when you get down to it. Yeah, I like Just, re, I like rereading the um the Jack Parsons uh bit that you sent me, Jason. Um, that's important the, to like. Yeah, Book of that's, Babylon. That's some yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. That's just I, like I, some I, basic shit that it's like, oh yeah, that's what they believe. I don't think Nietzsche's a red herring, really. I, all those guys are influenced by him. Did somebody well, say it, Nietzsche was a red herring? Yeah. It's red herring in as much as Crowley is really the important link. Yeah, Crowley was also heavily influenced by Nietzsche. Right, exactly. Yeah. I don't think as much as people would think. I think he's more into the Western esoteric tradition that Nietzsche was also drawing from. It's like branches of a tree, I guess. It's hard to say. Like... um, like Steiner, Rudolf Steiner, he was he, he directly had uh, communication with with Nietzsche, right? Like a, a, there was a uh, I don't know with a, with that whole sort of theosophical um, school, there's such a massive connection with Nietzsche, right? Dude, do you know how prolific Rudolf Steiner was? So, like, if you go and you look up Rudolf Steiner's books, it does, it's not it's not that extreme. But I was in, I stayed with grandmothers in mud huts in the middle of the Arizona desert, and they had a mud hut that was just a library that was almost entirely Rudolf Steiner. Um, they were all like students of Rudolf Steiner, like this community of grandmothers all in their eighties. And it was like there were so many books, and I realized later like they're just not published like for the public. Like he had like 
small, um, you know, publications that are private publications that he was probably paying for himself, you know, uh, like much like Crowley did actually, because Crowley was self-published and spent all his inheritance on. A lot of them with uh, Steiner were, were lectures that later get transcribed. Okay, okay, um, I think that's partly what it is. But I think he had other books in there too that you can't find anywhere unless if you're a student of his, probably. There's uh, there's a lot online you can you can hear like in, in audio form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not really a Steiner fan. Well, that's the that's the big splits, uh, Steiner and and Crowley. Like that's mm. uh, totally. Um, I I like Steiner a lot. Like I'm, I'm liking him more and more these days because um, I'm seeing his influence on other people. Like yeah, I mean, you, I was never a big Crowley fan uh, historically, but uh, once you dig into him, you realize that maybe this is where the the good stuff is. Well, you know, Baruch, whenever he comes up, for the most part, it's like when it comes down to it, his real takeaway from Crowley is that he had a great sense of humor. He's like, <laughs> say what you will, but that guy was funny, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you got to take say it with a wilt. You got to take it with a grain of salt, like tongue in cheek. Like this guy was not like the ipsissimus that he claimed to be. But uh, you know, if you take him as a flawed human, and you can take with you. Well, he's a. That's the thing. Like by your fruits, you shall recognize him, right? Like the. the Crowley is messed, right? But, but at the same time, like he was a legitimate channel for certain, like legitimate communications. Is kind sure. of my thesis. Sure. Yeah. So like he he was used to deliver the book of the law and um, Lieber four eighteen uh, vision the voice, and that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. But like his commentaries on those things are flawed in many ways. Well, he it's funny he contradicts himself in a way because right, right. the person who's supposed to be the one to be able to interpret the book of the law isn't him. Exactly. Yet, what does he do? But does the laws well, for all and yeah, but it, stuff. it says that no beast can divine the mysteries, which uh, would mean that the Scarlet Woman would have to divine the mysteries if you take that uh, in a more literal kind of way. Well, somebody's got a baby. No, that was yeah. the Scarlet Beast. <laughs> so it's been two hours i'm gonna stop the recording and then restart it but i think i'm gonna have to here watch this i stopped it did that stop there we go